Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And welcome to another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. How are you? I feel like we haven't spoken Good. for a while. I'm talking to the audience, not I'm you, Julie. Answering on their behalf. Oh. The audience is good. My name is Miranda Selwood, and with me at the table today, Julie Eisentrager, Zane C. Weber, and our first repeat guest. Welcome back, Patrick Aiken. Hello. Welcome. You can't get rid of me. I'm, I'm the we herpes of guests. <laughs> <laughs> you well, think I'm gone? You had a good couple of weeks, but then I crept I'm not back even in. You gonna, got niche. I'm not even going to fill the prescription for the cream. <laughs> oh, my God. You're enjoying my present I company. I am enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about this. About the herpes analogy. Yeah. You're not it's, sure? I'm the one who... It doesn't matter. It's the lip kind. <laughs> it's a lip kind, Zane. You're yeah, fine. everyone really has it. Like, it's one of those things we people say they don't have it. it. Everyone's got a little bit of mouth herpes. I don't. You don't? No. I mean, I, I've never actually had a cold sore. I'm one of the, the cherished pure few, but I'm sure Julie... You and me, high five. Have, then, you, ever, what? have you ever had a little what? bit of a mouth herpes? Did you just say, I'm sure... Julie, <laughs> you can't. No, I, I just opened right. the floor to you. I hundred percent have. You have. Okay, yeah. No. I feel like we should move on to the getting to know you section because move away from the herpes, which yeah. we will call the getting to know you again. Again, getting to know you again. Because now that we know that you don't have herpes, yes, we can talk well, about the actual important things. Okay, well, <laughs> we don't need to anyway, like, examine we'll skip that, that question. Further. The STD yeah. question will stop <laughs> up the list. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, what is your STI status? <laughs> oh, that's not, not on there. That, that's guys. not on there. In fact, we haven't even we haven't even you know got ourselves together to write a new set of questions because it was uh, we were just up so only a few weeks ago. It was, yeah, yeah. Because you... S- I feel very loved. Yeah. I feel well, very love, loved and loved. wanted. Um, but we're just going to get you to answer the same questions again. Okay. Because um, everyone but, has more than one dream But role. better. Yes. But better this yes. time. Okay. Okay? Just more truthful and more Patrick. Okay. And F- fire away. Which musical character would other people compare you to? Julie? Yeah, okay. We're going to get Julie to do this because... Um, Julie, Julie wasn't, wasn't here. here for my first episode, which was... I like. I took it as a personal attack, and that's fine. It was. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't a personal attack on you. Oh, oh, we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> wow. But, so, Julie, first impressions. Looking at the um, the soft, dodgy man in front of you, who would you who would you cast me as? Wow, that was way too much information. Um, Major General from Pirates. Yeah, well, I'll pay. I'll pay that. Yeah. I'll pay that. I will too. I'd have fun with it. But that's, I think that's 
really strongly based off the fact that when I did first meet you, we were doing Kiss Me Kate. Yes. And I'm pretty sure you were playing, I don't know, maybe in general. I was pretty sleep deprived. Look, Julia, I'm before. not sure what I was playing in that. <laughs> I, had a, I had a fantastic costume. Um, Aviator sunglasses. And I had my sunglasses Parky. on. Parky. And it was great. And I put on a, a, let's call it a flexible American accent. Um, she won She won I do remember. No, it was really good. Yeah. And I mean, people in the army move around a lot. They so do. you're bound to pick up a lot of variations. Exactly. On... That was a character choice I <laughs> yeah. made on yeah. the night. Yeah, no. Um, oh. I mean, you had 24 hours to really think about that character. <laughs> and... To be fair, I think I had the most time out of anyone to prepare and I still minced a couple of my lines. But everyone it's was fine. tired. It it's fine. fine. It got to the end of the um, Which musical character would you like other people to compare you to? Okay. Do you remember what you said last time? I do. Last time I picked two female characters from Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Um, so Maria and Sonia. Because right. they're both wonderful people and they both strive to make sure that the right thing is always done. They go about it in different ways, but yeah, they're wonderful. This time I'm going to pick Judas from Jesus oh, Christ right. Superstar. So uh, we went from wonderful doing the right thing people to a wonderful doing the right thing guy. Yeah, well, definitely. And like, <laughs> I'm talking about like in Jesus Christ Superstar, the musical where really, everyone, I feel like everyone puts on that musical incorrectly. The show is like a bunch of hippie dudes and Judas goes, hi guys, this has all become a little bit celebrity, a little bit nonsense. It's about Jesus. It's not about the message doing good thing anymore. The opening number, he goes, Jesus, what are you doing? We used to be cool. Now it's all about you. And he's the villain? Yeah. He's trying to keep it on the straight and narrow. He's trying to do the right thing. And sure, he might end up doing it in the wrong Hot way. But takes here from Patrick His heart was in the right place. And he has the best song in the show. Yes. He does. Plural, I won't plural disagree songs. with that. Heaven on their minds. Yeah. Just... Mm. Oh, that's a spicy meatball. You see that? Like, go to Je- next time someone puts on Jesus Patrick, Christ Superstar. Patrick to would will. like to be compared to the spicy meatball of yes. Jesus Christ Superstar. Well, and honestly, if you go to see JCS when it's put on, and it will be put on by a small theatre company in your local area within the next year, it will. <laughs> go see it. Stay for heaven on their minds. Feel free to leave after that. Oh, it's the best song in the show. Best song in the show. So harsh. <laughs> I'm, I have strong up and down feelings about JCS, but we won't get into that. I have feelings, they're strong. I'm not sure what they are, but what's your dream role? Okay, last time I said Trunchbull, and it is Trunchbull, and it will always be Trunchbull. What's your second, second, that dream has died, let's go to the next one. This week I listened to a show that I haven't listened to in a very long time, and I thought, you know what, I would love to play Dr. Parker from Bad Boy. Mm. Yeah, it's a good role. I listened to Dance With Me Darling, and I was like, that's a goal. That song is a, ah, uh, yeah, and he's he's fun, and his parts are great. So um, playing a crazy person is always fun. Yeah, and again, it's another role like Trunchbull that Zane would do better. How dare <laughs> no, you? You would. No. Zane would be fantastic as Doctor Parker. Anyway, um, yeah, he's great. What's your favorite Sondheim show? Second favorite, obviously. Cause... Oh, okay. So Assassins is the top, as always. Um, Follies is really good. Ooh, I believe that's the first Follies we've had. I think it's, well, a couple of people have mentioned it, but I, like I think fo- he's the first one. Yeah. I like Follies. Yeah. Um, it is, it is, but there's I like some a great lot of songs Sondheim. There. Sunday in the Park with George is great. Into the Woods, everyone says it, but it is, it's, it's charming. Yeah. But yeah, Follies is really good. Oh, thanks, Patrick. That's I don't right. know why I'm... <laughs> a little, little condescending. No, but... no, no, not at all. Oh, no, that's no, just your voice. She's now speaking that's on behalf of... I said I always get follies and passion. 
passion. mixed up, yeah. and I don't know why. So I might be talking about passion. Who knows? I'm pretty we sure definitely I'm talking about had Polly's. passion brought Welcome up before. To I believe my world. Sam Boyd. Oh, okay. Uh, loves oh, passion. What a man. Someone else said passion yeah. as what a man. well. James Gorsey. James, James Gorsey. Yeah. I loved that episode. That was a good episode. You're welcome. Sorry. I wasn't there. Oh, no. Wait, it was. Why it was good. Bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. No, you weren't I wasn't there. I listened to it. Different. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if any of our listeners have that problem where they think they're here with us. Uh, me all the time. Oh, I walked in today and I was like, Julie, how are you? <laughs> we have barely met. Um, <laughs> Not true. We've done a show together. You're yeah, best true, friends. True. Uh, what is your go-to shower song? Uh, at the How moment, have we been feeling is... this week? Oh, okay. It, last time it was, um, oh, what was it? Wicked Little Town from Heathers. Mm. Not Heathers, from Hedwig and the Angry <laughs> Inch. Wow. Like, that's, that's, I, I, I saw that like a week ago and I don't remember that song being in it. I can't sing any of the songs in Heathers. I'd love to. They're all great. Um, it is Night Will Come. The night will come from this show, the show we're doing today. But we'll get to that. From Groundhog yeah. Day. Did we yeah. mention that already? No, I've just mentioned it then. What shall Announcement we do? time, everybody. <laughs> Surprise! It's Groundhog only the Day. title of the episode <laughs> and everybody. has customised cover arts. What shall oh. we do? Groundhog Day. The musical. What shall we do? Groundhog Day. The musical. I can't play oh, this Oh, you game. have to do it three times. <laughs> three times is the gag, Julie. What shall we do? Groundhog Day. The musical. Yep. Okay. Uh, you have to delete one musical from existence. Another one, Patrick. Yeah. You're just out there going bam, 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 shooting them all down. You're Broadway's vengeful, worst I, nightmare. I'm a vengeful god. Um, I'm Ooh. going to delete. Oh, what is it? I would What's like to thought? see you play God in just something. Uh, Monty Python's God, maybe yeah. in Spamalot. There you I go. Could, yeah, well, Eric that, Idle sends the recording with the right. It doesn't have to know. all be about Eric Idle all the time. Are we okay? saying he's not as good as Eric spell, about that? I have Eden. Oh, true. There you go. There, there are a few God musicals about. Okay. Anyway, Danny what Girl? are you deleting? There's that God figure. Um, I'm going to delete Dear Evan Hansen. Controversial. Um, good thing KB's not here because yeah, she would kill you. I know. There's a couple, couple of reasons. Okay. I'm sick of hearing about it. Fair. <laughs> It's got the four first songs in that show are maybe some of the best modern musical theatre pop songs I've heard in a while. True. The rest of the show I could not care less about. Um, I, I just, it does nothing for me at all. And also, Dear Evan Hansen introduced me to what I believe has been a long time problem on Broadway, but I wasn't aware of, where one show sweeps the Tonys and all the other amazing shows that are on have to close because they didn't win any Tonys. Except yeah. for Waitress. She's still going. Waitress still pumping. Is still going after Hamilton, which, she like, wow, she survived. After, amazing. No, she was Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was Dear Evan Hansen that swept Waitress everything. Waitress wasn't nominated this year for yeah. a Tony, was it? I thought it yeah. was last year. No, it was this year. It's only been yeah. playing for a little while. Oh, goodness me. It's the same year as Dear Evan Hansen. She made it. She crushed that it. That is insane. Wikipedia lied to me. I thought I knew what I was talking about. Look at that. Waitress. Yeah, 2016. Waitress. Don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're off topic. Oh, um, and oh. It, and so I believe, Dear Evan Hansen, everyone's like, it's the best musical ever. Oh, my God, it's so amazing. I don't think it's as good as everyone says it is. I think it's great. I prefer the music from Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 and from Groundhog Day to Dear Evan Hansen's score and music. It doesn't have any orchestration. I think it has a lot of things that let it down. So what you're saying is you're just really bitter. I'm really bitter about Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> so bitter that I want to wipe it from history. But there's wow. other shows that have this same problem that wipe out a year at the Tonys and kill I mean, a lot of shows. Mormon was one of them. Mormon was one of them. And yeah. they just captured the zeitgeist like Hamilton. Dear Evan Hansen did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to delete it. It's gone. 
take wow. Ben Platt. We give guests this power. Yeah, we, we have do. to respect what they do with it. We if do. you lose subscribers, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I understand your point, though, and mm. it, it, is, it is a sad sort of situation where a, a show is a great show, but it might not be as popular yeah. or it might just be sitting under the award mark for you know, all the awards. It might have the same number or more nominations, but because it doesn't win, it it gets sort of pushed down the ladder and out of the theatre. When when Zane and I were in New York not that long ago, I literally cried tears (laughs) when um, after this, you know, full house standing ovation of a show and... um, Several. There were several standing ovations throughout the show. Yes, and (laughs) the curtain comes down and the guy next to me goes, oh, such a sad thing that it's closing. And it was closing because they didn't win enough Tonys. They won two Tonys. It was after midnight. Two was not enough. They won two Tonys, but in in their contract to stay in the theatre, they needed three. I mean, guys, that's why I'm not, like, working as an actress. It's just because I've not won enough Tonys. All you've got to do is win a Tony. Just and, win and a Tony, it's, Julie. It's really frustrating. Like, I was over um, in America recently and I, I luckily got to see Groundhog Day, which is why I've picked it for today because I fell in love with this show. Um, but, again, these Groundhog Day and um, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which is another show that I got to see, were struggling to sell their tickets. Um, and they were struggling to get people in the theatre. Amazing reviews amazing shows, like top quality shows, not just for the year, but for all of musical theatre. Yeah. But in the general discussion in the media, people were only talking about Dear Evan Hansen. There just wasn't enough like space in the conversation for any other show. Yeah. And you just see these amazing shows just not get the attention and love they deserve, which is why we're talking about one today. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It deserves the love. Let's do it. Let's talk about it, Patrick. Yes. <laughs> Okay, before we do get into talking about Groundhog Day, though, Patrick, I've been told by a little birdie that you have brought us Broadway news. Okay, I felt guilty after the last time I was on the pod because I didn't have any news, and I think Good. we just, we just have to skip the guilty. section altogether. And that was <laughs> my, that was my fault. That was my fault. Sometimes we do skip the section. Yeah. We, we don't rely on our guests to provide us with news. We hope that Broadway does that, but okay. no one from Broadway called us today. So, Well, I have some amazing news and I think you'll realise how amazing it is. Um, and I'm not being sarcastic. You are overselling it. So Broadway <laughs> news. Dear Evan Hansen is asking for fans to record themselves singing You Will Be Found um, for, quote, Broadway's first virtual choir. Ooh. Um, that said, while it is titled Broadway's first virtual choir... There's a lot of... Fingers going yeah, on there's there. There's lots yeah. of air quotes. Um, while it's called Broadway's first virtual choir, the recording will be made into a music video that will be put on the internet. So, not in the stage musical, not on Broadway. So, it's not really Broadway's first this virtual is a choir YouTube at all. YouTube choir. Yeah, it's just it's, some intern with iMovie and an internet YouTube account. Broadway um, adjacent. Yeah, it's, I mean, the internet 
is probably connected to locations on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> so you could probably watch this on I'm YouTube feeling while a you lot are on Broadway. Of judgment flying around the table um, at the moment. To be honest, like I just Patrick don't see is, the point. Patrick is leaning in and he's getting louder. He's like, he's I've deleted very... this musical. They are not allowed <laughs> to do this to revive it. anymore. They're trying to revive it. They're trying to bring it back on the internet. I'm against it. No. Um, I honestly think it, it's, a, it's a way to bring some publicity to the musical now that Platt is leaving. Yes. Uh, so I think it's also about engaging that the audience in that part of the story because yes, that that moment in the show is, is about yeah. a whole bunch of people from all around the world getting on the social media train and sharing this idea. Yeah. So I see what they're doing as both a publicity grab and kind of a nice way to do it. Yeah, and and cynicism aside, and it'll creep back in. I'm a very <laughs> cynical guy. Um, uh, I think it is it, it's a nice move, and especially for their core audience for that musical. When again seeing the audience over there, it's a lot of it's a very teen audience. Yeah, um, and it's getting teen audiences engaged in discussions around mental health. And while I don't think D. Raven Hansen handles its mental health themes as well as it could and doesn't provide a lot of solutions for the problems it brings up. Mm. I think getting people engaged in that and talking about it and getting young teens to engage in this song and share that discussion around mental health and health care, I think is brilliant. So kudos said, for that. I would love to see it incorporated into the musical at some point. That would be so cool. Point. It it's would be like so a missed cool. opportunity. Maybe they yeah. will. Maybe they're just I, I think they're waiting maybe to see what the quality is like. They're going to see what it's like yeah. first. And then maybe <laughs> a few of them or will make it into yeah, the show. If, or, yeah. yeah. Because if I record, it's, it's not getting into the show, let's be honest. Patrick. Um, if you um, put it all together, like, you won't hear one individual voice. I might just mime. Oh, Julie, could you sing for me and I could just, <laughs> you could be my voice? It can be done. Can be singing done. in the rain. I will be found. <laughs> my voice will be found. Um, two little tidbits of news as well. Um, Magic Mike, the musical? Is that a thing that everyone knew was happening? No. <sighs> no Apparently that's tell happening. Tell me no. Apparently yeah, that's you. happening. Um, that's just a live show. It might just be a rumour. Oh, look, I'm not against it. Though against I will it. say for Julie, it is... Probably the ideal musical. Oh, oh Julie, goodness. I will... To cast Zac Efron in. <gasps> Julie, yes. Yes, we'll he can bump and grind his way everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> And has Moulin Rouge the musical been discussed on the pod yet? It hasn't. We're waiting for some like where we've announced we've covered that it's been announced that it has got a, uh, a production crew. Team. What about the lead cast? We haven't discussed that because mm. I want more. You want more? Okay. I want more than just <laughs> we'll leave it on the, the sizzle. Yeah. yeah, because I don't care about that casting. The people who they have cast. It's all the other interesting characters you want to know the cast for. So we'll leave it on the sizzle. I want to know like, who's going to play Zidler. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, oh, guys. It's me. I'm playing oh Why God. didn't you tell voiced me before now? Miranda, Miranda, Miranda I don't know. Live Give them the, the full news. It's you voiced by Julie Eisentrager. Yes. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I had a thought. I had a feeling, you know, in yeah. my waters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So let us talk about the show for which we are here, Groundhog Day. I'm so excited, yes. Yes, Patrick. Okay. No, I'm handling this one. What? Yep. Ooh, yeah. yeah. You're going to do the okay. history of the I'm show? I'm doing the history. I'm not going to lie. I got a bit nervous, basically, because I've seen Miss Eisentrager 
tear the music of shows apart before. I've seen The Rage, I've seen The Fury. Okay. And I was like, knowing this show and the style of music that it is... You didn't want Julie got, touching no, it with a well, 10-foot pole. Part of me was afraid that she'd rip my heart out. <laughs> um, the other part of me thought this show is the kind of show where the music is very much um, in play with watching the show and seeing it unfold. It's not song, scene, song, scene, song, scene. So I thought I'd maybe want to do the music. So I asked Zane if I could and he said yes because he's nice. Was there any well. part of you that would consider that I actually really like the music in there? Julie, I'm terrified of you. I didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable saying whether I thought Julie would or would not like the musical. And I'm scared she's, for my babies. She's an unpredictable beast. It's, it's, it's oh, true. I've um, seen The Bloodshed. I listened to the pod. <laughs> So well, Zane's covering the history? Zane's going to cover the history. the history then. I'm excited. Yeah. Zane, are you ready? I am. I have prepared. So Good. I am part of a, a film podcast, so I feel that I am You're uniquely ready. qualified at this table to talk about Groundhog Day based on the original uh, 1993 Bill Murray film, what a of film. course. What a guy. What a film. Well, yeah. it is... I just enjoy that Bill Murray, Bill, played a person called Phil. I was like, <laughs> you couldn't have just used a little more imagination there. Well, look, he didn't write it and it, and it wasn't... Doesn't matter. Technically written changed for it him. More. And it's also a joke because the groundhog is named Phil. Yeah. You could have renamed all of them. They could have all been called Bill. Yeah, to be fair, you can also rename the Groundhog, can't you? (laughs) Moving on to the history of the show, Miranda. There you go. It's my one issue. It's my one issue. It was originally a movie, and the movie is very consistently number one best comedy of all time. Really? In countless lists. uh, Really? Empire Magazine, Film Nation... It's best comedy. It's very good. It has been in the American Film Institute has rated it number eight greatest film of all time. Get out of town. I'll have to give it a watch then, won't you? I? Haven't I haven't it. seen it. Oh, Julie, get oh. around it. It's a very funny film. There's and only... it's very kind of a dark comedy. Oh, bit of I a mean, dark it's dark. I mean, there's only two films in this world that I can stand watching Andy McDowell in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, can I guess? It's this one. Four Weddings and a Funeral? Four Weddings yes, and a Funeral. Yes, okay. Andy. See, I've only ever seen her in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, what um, else is she in? Maybe that's why I'm not opposed. Green card with Gerard Depardieu. Oh, Gerard. Um, almost passable. Almost. almost. She yeah, almost yeah. gets away. Okay. So the first mention of a musical of Groundhog Day was August 2003 mm. when someone asked Sondheim what his next project might be. And he said that he was interested in the idea of a musical adaptation of Groundhog Day. I know, I know. I read. I only read this like two days ago, and I was just like, "What? Goodness gracious!" Two thousand and three. Oh, so no. Sondheim was quite old then. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking it would be just like Into the Woods, wouldn't it? Kind of. Dennis. Oh God! <laughs> Into <would>. the Woods. <laughs> yeah, over yeah. and over and over. So that lasted for five years until 2008 when he, in, in another interview, he said that trying to make a musical of Groundhog Day would be gilding the lily. It can't be improved. Like the, the text as it is, is... So do you think he spent some time sort of trying to see where he could take it? What, I think so. What I'm saying is that Tim Minchin did what Sondheim could not. I'm putting it well, out there. <laughs> Well, it wasn't <laughs> or chose just, not to. It maybe. wasn't just mentioned, so no. it wasn't always mentioned that did it. So Harold Ramis um, 
revealed that Danny Rubin had been working on oh. the musical version of the film. So Rubin had got the concept together uh, and had already got 12 song ideas uh, whittled down from 30. So he'd been working on it a long time before the director or mention were brought on. Wow. Uh, so he got to a point where he couldn't go any further without a composer. Uh, he reached out to uh, Matthew Walkers, who is the director of Groundhog Day, and Walkers recommended Minchin, who had just finished writing the songs for Matilda. Uh, so they got oh, together. And show. so Ruben felt that um, his work on Matilda, that he can write, I've got a direct quote here, can write songs that are funny and moving and smart and beautiful. A very run-on sentence. And so the three started adapting what Ruben had uh, worked out for the book. So at this point, was the show associated with um, RSC? No, no. So, because they did... Uh, they did Matilda. Minchin's Matilda. Yes. Yeah. So, was it then Tim Minchin that was the connection back to RSC to produce it? Perhaps. Uh, I didn't really... I'm musing. I yeah. don't know. I couldn't tell you. I'm sorry. I haven't done my research. Julie? Julie? <laughs> <laughs> the world premiere was the it. Old Vic Theatre in London... And that was the RSC production. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Curious. <laughs> yeah, Stephen like Sondheim was happened. on board for a while. Isn't that just yeah. madness? And I think what's, I suppose, the, the similarity that Minchin and Sondheim do have is that they both are wordy and they're both very good with their lyrics and it's something that... They're clever. A lot it's of, that intelligent humour that... Like annoyingly erudite. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost frustrating. Um yeah, and I don't know, there's a lot of modern composers and writers who just, I don't know, I feel like lyrics sometimes get left as an afterthought. You listen to some shows and... When the music and the lyrics are written separately, mm. I think that's when we run into a lot of trouble, whereas Minchin and Sondheim well, write both. Exactly. And, I mean, and it's... Mm, you'll find mm, yourself mm. in a in a sort of place where all of a sudden the front bit is called the facade. You don't want that to happen. You don't want that to happen. That is a bad example because he wrote the music and lyrics. Oh, goodness. Oh, oh, we're back where we started. He's just better at one than the other. Right. So, like you said, um, Minchin brought in a lot of the creative team from Matilda. So uh, the choreographer, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they all got together to work on this. It premiered in, in London uh, as part of Walkers' debut season as artistic, artistic director of the theatre. So, yeah, that's the story of how it came to be. It's a very, it's, it doesn't have a long history because it's a very, very new show. Mm. Yeah, well, um, just this year. So that was 2016? Yeah. 2016. And, and then it, it opened on Broadway on, in March 2017. And it closed this September. Yep. That's upsetting. Mm. I, uh, my heart broke. I was probably too emotional <laughs> about the closing of Groundhog Down Broadway, but apparently it's um, getting ready for a national tour. Is that right, Zane? Yes. Yeah, so it is getting ready for a national tour and it is looking to transfer back to the West End. Yes. So oh, it, It's not dead. It's just not on mm. Broadway anymore. We'll have to visit KB. I have faith in this it. show. I think, I, think it's, I think it's got legs. I, I think it's also something that once it it enters the stratosphere of amateur rights, it will get done a lot. 
mm. because it's a recognisable entity. Plus, it has great characters, great music, and the name of Minchin behind it. So, yeah. Mm. It's, it's going to exist in our community for a very long time and I think it will stick around and become one of those shows that gets done very regularly. Look, I've got my fingers crossed. I really So do. one of the things that I was surprised at is that I didn't, in all of the publicity that I saw about Groundhog Day, I didn't see it associated with Minchin as much as I did Matilda. Tim mentions Matilda or uh-huh. Matilda. Oh, really? See, yeah, I so. only knew of it because of Tim Minchin. Right, okay. I had and seen... His, like, I first heard it, of it in his posts on his own social media. Yeah, Instagram was where mm. I first... Yeah. I was like, oh, Tim is Minchin's it, doing Groundhog Day. Is he as big in America? I know he's very big in England and he's huge here. Is it because Matilda had such a long sort of and strong West, like English West End opening that it became Tim Minchin's Matilda and so when it transferred it was already that kind of branding and because it moved much more quickly. Maybe. To yeah. I'm not sure. But that is an interesting point. Yeah. It's just, I, I wasn't as aware of it as I was with Matilda. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That, that's pretty much all the history there is because, again, it's all this We're year. We're waiting for more. Yeah. Um, but Harold Ramis, the original writer of the original movie... Gave it full green light. Mm-hmm. He he passed away before it opened. Of oh, course, no. wow. why do people keep doing that? He was quite old. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, right. it wasn't. Well, it wasn't before, a surprise. Before we all get much older, um, <laughs> let's move on to talking about what happens in the show over and over again. <laughs> So Julie is going to tell us all about what happens in the show. Act one. Dun, dun, dun. Enter the groundhog. <laughs> it is his day. <laughs> for Phil... it is groundhog oh my day. Phil Connors, an arrogant TV weatherman, is dreading his trip to Poxitani, PA, to do a report on the annual Groundhog Day ceremony. For those playing at home, that's Bill Murray. But not in this case. No, I'm just, you know. Believing it is beneath him. Um, as his weather van arrives in town, the people of Poxitani are hoping that the groundhog Poxitani Phil will not see his shadow, signifying an end to the winter and the start of spring. <coughs> Point of order. Point of order? Poxitani. Poxitani. It's punks. That's it. Whatever. Punks are tawny. I'm going to keep saying it wrong for They're the whole brown. thing just to annoy you both now. <laughs> Poxitani. I love I'll it. say how I want. <laughs> Change it every the time. Ne- I will. Pixitini. <laughs> the next morning, Phil awakes on February 2nd full of scorn for everything and everyone he encounters on his way to Gobbler's Knob. Yeah, it's called Sorry. Gobbler's Knob. It's amazing. <laughs> every time. I can't help it. But I, I feel, I want to think and believe <laughs> that that name is the... The first and primary reason why Tim Minchin signed on. <laughs> I want that to do has... a show that has a place called Gobbler's, Gobbler's Knob. Knob in it. Let's just keep it PG, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so on his way Knob. to uh, Gobby's Knob, where <laughs> the annual ceremony takes place. Oh, no. <laughs> When he arrives there, he meets with his cameraman Larry and his new producer Rita before the Groundhog's forecast of six more weeks of winter. While Phil and Rita eat lunch, Larry packs, yeah, packs up the van, preparing for their nick off. Um, Sheriff enters telling them there's a bad snowstorm coming and they have closed every road out of town, keeping them from leaving that day. 
Rita makes her entry in her journal before Groundhog Day banquet, and the townspeople remain ever hopeful for this coming spring. The next morning, Phil wakes on February 2nd, and he confusedly... Is that a word? Yes. Confusedly relives the morning over again, including a run-in with the obnoxious high high school classmate, Ned Ryerson? I say, one of my favourite parts of this show is him... uh, just talking to the radio broadcast, saying that you're you're fired because you're playing yesterday's tapes. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Imagine the denial from his on the second mm. Legitimately, like my favourite couple of bars <laughs> of this show is played so many times. I'm um, so pleased. Um, is it the same song as the movie? No, 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 no. It's an original song. It's the radio broadcasters are great. Excellent. They make such terrible it's, it's not, jokes. It's not Sunny and Cher. Oh. <laughs> So Phil begrudgingly reports on the ceremony again, which has the same result as the day before, and Rita enjoys the festivities after commenting in her journal about Phil's odd behaviour. The next morning, Phil wakes on February 2nd and, fearing a mental breakdown, consults every doctor and healer in the town, none of which are medically qualified, who suggest a variety of ridiculous remedies. Phil decides to self-medicate at a bar instead and finds camaraderie with two drunks who are stuck in a rut and live every day just the same as the day before. The trio take advantage of not having a future and drive recklessly on the train tracks and evade cops before they are caught and Phil is arrested. The next morning, (laughs) Phil awakes on February 2nd with a newfound skip in his step as he openly treats others terribly. Oh, that would be a good day. (laughs) <laughs> I think we found our film. One of the lessons to learn from the show <laughs> As he openly treats others terribly Does as he pleases And uses his repeated days to meet And reintroduce himself to Nancy Taylor A local woman Oh, oh, oh. A local woman A local Ooh. woman that he tricks into sleeping with Yeah him. what he does is very clever He actually goes up to her on one day and says Hi there, what's your name? Sorry, who was your high school English teacher? And she goes, oh, what? And gives the name. And he's like, oh, cool, thanks. Comes back the next day, being February 2nd, and goes, Nancy, remember Mr. Wright's class? We were in English together. And she, being polite, is like, oh, oh, yeah, of course. And And she, being polite, is, oh, yeah, of course, and then sleeps with him. Well, and then he's... It's only polite, Miranda. (laughs) Phil Phil is very arrogant, but also very charming. And so that's how he gets her into the conversation. It's a great scene, but he is a... Absolute bastard. Yeah, well, <laughs> on that, fresh out of Nancy, he, oh! <laughs> he sets his sights on Rita. And then he's like, yep, yeah, I'm into that. Well, wants to be into that. Oh he gosh. spends several days trying to manufacture her perfect date and grows more manic as he inevitably keeps failing. With success never in sight, Phil wonders why he couldn't repeat a better day with Rita. And um, Rita wonders if she'll ever meet a man who can live up to in- her intense specifications. Oh, Rita might be me. Rita's probably me. Rita's a great role. Are you just everyone in this musical? I would like to be. <laughs> One woman show, guys. <laughs> I'm booking it. <laughs> and the townspeople wonder if they will ever do all the things they've been putting off waiting for some idealised future. The next morning, Phil wakes on February 2nd and smashes his alarm clock. Act two. So that's the uh, dramatic end to act one. The oh, smashing of said alarm clock. Very dramatic. Mm. Some would say staged. <laughs> Ooh. Act two. 
Act two opens on yet another Groundhog Day ceremony as Nancy Taylor contemplates her behaviour patterns and how she presents herself. She probably should. Phil... All right. Poor Nancy. Phil arrives at Gobbler's Knob (coughs) for his broadcast and interrupts his report to shoot... Let's just all say it together because I can't say it right, apparently. Puxatawney. Puxatawney, Phil. And then himself. Not shoot with the camera... Shoot with, with a gun, gun, guys. Yes. He kills the groundhog in cold blood and then commits suicide on the stage. Bang, bang. It's amazing. You shut me down. Wow. Yeah. Times. That's yeah. unexpected. That is a good open the to act two, though. Yeah, the movie's a dark comedy. The musical does not shy away from that. Oh, okay, it's good. It's great. The next morning, Phil wakes on February 2nd and exhausts every way to kill himself, vowing not to give up and that one day he will successfully commit suicide. Yay! Phil returns to the diner with nothing to lose, tells Rita what is happening, proving his claims by spouting off facts about the townspeople, predicting their actions, and finally telling Rita things he has learned about her. Intrigued, Rita spends the day with Phil, learning various things he's done about town and theorising what she should do in his shoes. That evening, Rita goes to the B&B to see what happens when the day starts over, but falls asleep first. The next morning... Phil wakes on February 2nd, alone again, and decides to engage with the townspeople and better himself by learning piano. What a boring day. Phil learns that... (laughs) It's not one day. (laughs) Phil learns that Ned's wife has died, and later that evening, Phil finds a homeless man dead in the park, which he spends several days trying to prevent, before accepting that some things are inevitable. On a new Groundhog Day, Phil delivers a surprising, profound broadcast before running about town all day helping the townspeople. He's making up for being a dick on day three-ish. Yeah, yeah. Rita arrives at the banquet and overhears uh, everyone in town raving about what Phil has done for them that day, only to discover he is also playing in the band. In a bachelor auction, Rita buys a dance with Phil and kisses him. (gasps) It's cute. It's Just because so he can play cute. the piano now. I would kiss a lot of people that could play the he piano. He also, spoiler it, buys her a pair of really big showy Ugg boots, really fluffy ones, because one of the things he learns is that she always gets numb toes because she wears, quote, inappropriate socks. And Aww. so it's this really Aww. cute little gift that he gets her if as well. If someone wants to buy me a pair of sparkly Ugg boots, yeah. I'd probs kiss them. And it's a thank you gift because um, they've actually worked together before on production, but she thought that he'd forgotten. So it's, it's a little cute moment. Oh, um, okay. So both of them are feeling that they are only just learning what each other is actually like. The next morning, Phil wakes to find Rita still in his room <gasps> and a fresh layer of snow covering the ground outside. Oh, my God. Thoroughly overjoyed at finally being able to leave, Phil agrees to spend the day with Rita. Oh, sorry. (laughs) She can't read kids. Though overjoyed at finally being able to leave, Phil agrees to spend the day with Rita. They start their day watching the sunrise on February 3rd. Oh. So that's how you fix it. If you ever get stuck in a cycle of one day over and over again. Buy Ugg boots. Sleep with Rita. Oh, okay, that too. (laughs) <laughs> you have to do both. I, th- I think I think it's more of like Learn doing your life good lessons. things all day, make the day great for everyone, reveal your true self, grow as a person, then sleep with Rita. But you yeah, still yeah, get sleeping with Rita is like that's that's your you know that's your abracadabra. Yeah, that yeah. has to happen. That's the like, but that won't happen until every the final flick happens. of the wand. No, yeah. 
All right. So is that is that the end? That is the end. Is um, there the next morning finale? on February second? No. <laughs> <laughs> so just a little bit of trivia in the original movie. Um, the, the theory was that he was stuck there for 10,000 years. Whoa. And that is what happens in the musical as well. There yeah. are lots of lines and lyrics that suggest he has been there like what feels like forever. And one of the hilarious discussions he has with Rita is he walks up to her and goes, I think I'm a god. And, and she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, and he says, I'm the god of this place, meaning Punxsutawney. And, On this um, one specific day. And he literally stands there going... Clock and then the clock goes off. Dog and then a dog barks and it's and he just enters this weird zen oh. state where he's like, I think I'm the god of Punxsutawney. I think I just got Happy Death Day a little bit more. <laughs> that happens in a in a new movie, which is like a scary, spooky movie. She does oh. exactly the same thing. She's like, dog, car alarm. That guy's oh, about to does fall she over. relieve the same yeah, day? So does she die every day? Is that she it? She dies every day. Okay. She they just nicked a bit from Groundhog Sounds Day. Sounds like they nicked a lot. They nicked majority. Okay, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> you might want to watch it. Prejudging it. I'm yeah, out. Prejudging mm, it. Mm. Boycott. Okay, well, um, shall we? We, we shall. shall. Ooh. So let's finally hear from our guest, Patrick. He's going to talk about the music. Yes, I'm really excited. Oh, um, yes. I suppose just to start off with, the music is genius. It's great. And if you disagree, just I, I don't want to hear it. Um, he says pointedly, not looking at Julie. <laughs> He's too scared to look I'm at me. I'm scared of you, Julie. We've, we've covered this. Um, <laughs> it's really clever, like the way that the musical um, plays around with uh, sort of motifs, but reworks them in ways that you actually don't get sick of hearing these recurring themes again and again and again because of what the orchestration does with them. And I think it's really, it, it, it doesn't get old and it should it's just very, it's very clever. Um, the overture isn't one of your traditional overtures. It doesn't do little chunks of all the little bits of music. Well, it's, not no, 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 it's not a Miranda overture. It's not a Miranda overture. It's okay. But it's got oboes and brass. All and right. I, okay. It's a great overture. It's a great overture. And the way that this show uses brass and woodwinds, ah, the orchestration's great. Ten, 10 out of 10 for the orchestration. Um, so uh, after the overture, we've got There Will Be Sun. Um, so this is where we meet the chorus um, and the townsfolk of Punxsutawney. And, um, uh, and they are obnoxiously positive. They are. It's like, like, it's like Whoville. That it's, is what I have written. Yeah, the, whole, the reason I like this musical is because it reminds me so much of The Grinch. Okay, yeah. Um, and um, I actually really like this song. It's this wonderful sort of folksy town anthem. It's kind of this little bit of mythology that they have as a town because they live in this cold sort of arid wasteland where it's just always... It's winter for so long. And so they've got this recurring song about one day the sun will come out and it'll all be beautiful. And they're just so positive in such a depressing landscape. Makes me sick. It does. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, How very reminiscent of Annie. And then we have a 10-minute song, and Minchin does this. Well, he's done this in Matilda as well. The first song is called Day One, and it really covers Phil waking up and going through the entire first day um, of the broadcast. So I I love this song. I think it's amazing. Um, What I really like about the start especially is not only is the radio recording very clever for the local radio station covering Groundhog Day, but you've got Phil, um, Phil being the reporter, singing about Punxsutawney as a town in this sort of push-and-pull jazzy rock style. 
and then the townsfolk come in and they're also singing about Punxsutawney but it's very sort of anthemic and very much on the rhythm and they sort of work as counter melodies against each other. Phil's being entirely cynical and the townsfolk are really overly sort of positive yeah. and optimistic about their town and they're both singing at the same times and the melodies catch up to each other and then fall apart again and then catch up to each other and fall apart again and it's this wonderful sort of this, push and pull. This song is really a genius way of presenting and getting out of the way this first iteration of the day. Yes. Because that is what could get super repetitive about this story is that day. But getting it all out of the way in this very character-centric, musically interesting way, totally... it, it soothed my fears about this so musical. And watching the show, it soothed my fears. I watched this yeah. first day and I was like, it's going to be okay. It's going <laughs> to be all right. I was terrified because I loved Matilda so much and I was worried. I was like, you know, I was like, oh, what if, what if I don't love this show? What and if I, I don't love it as much as exa- Matilda? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and it sets up this thing that the show does all the time and a lot of shows do this but not to the extent of Groundhog Day where the, the music and the orchestration is the characters' emotions and their thoughts. When characters' thoughts break down or change, the music will break down. You'll have a cacophony or something. And it's not just supporting for their lyrics. Yeah. The music literally represents their mood. It's, it's kind of clever. how it should be. It is, it is. And you listen to this show and you're like, why isn't this done all the time? Yeah, Because um, it's difficult. It is. And <laughs> one person write the music, then give it to a <laughs> lyricist. They'll write some words. And... I want to be in America. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you get that, basically. Um, Day two. So this is where you get scared because you're like, the next song is called Day Two. Is it just going to be a big repetition? Um, (laughs) No, it's brilliant. Um, It starts um, with the same music, but once Phil realises what's going on, he starts to, again, his music sort of plays around with with the rhythm and the push-pull, and he starts making fun of the music and singing nonsense lyrics and saying things like suck my balls and that kind of thing in the tune of the song he sung on the previous day because he thinks, <laughs> like Zane said before, that the radio station is accidentally playing yesterday's recording yeah. and he starts mocking the people outside his hotel room um, but in the same song form but he gets lazy with the singing and he starts to really play around with it and make fun of the music and it's, it's just very clever because, again, it represents his attitude and his cynicism so well. Um, and so day two ends and we'll... Uh, we get to day three, which is a very, very short song. Okay, I was just saying, is it just going to be like... Well, day two day? is also quite short. Um, <laughs> okay. Basically, Phil goes from everyone's going to get fired to I think I'm dreadfully ill, and he freaks out halfway through the day and runs <laughs> home and goes to bed. Day three starts, and he's staring at the radio saying, don't you bloody play that song again, and it starts playing. And then the phone rings, and it's the same phone call from the two days before. And again, Phil has a breakdown... And the entire orchestration breaks down. Yeah. It's a cacophony. It's not structured. The instruments just string off. It's beautiful. It's great. I love it. Do you it. notice it's- that in each day the radio broadcast gets a little bit faster? It does. As well? Because when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, I can't like keep listening to that. This is going to be ridiculous if I had to keep listening to this song. And then I was like, oh, it's faster. I see what you did there. You're only going to have to let me listen to a little bit. I get it. You gave me credit as an audience member and I will take it. <laughs> it does. Oh, and one thing I forgot to mention about day one. Sorry, reversing. Day one has a really cheeky Wicked <laughs> reference, I think. Um, when they're at the podium to announce um, whether Phil, the groundhog, has seen his shadow, the um, leader who speaks groundhoggies and has to translate for Phil um, oh God. <laughs> basically has a Madame Morrible moment 
and gets up in his song and the way he sings and presents the history, it's like Madame Morrible at that podium in Wicked when she's telling the townsfolk what has happened. The tone of his voice and the style of music, I do think it's a really cheeky nod in the same way that Matilda's You Gotta Be Loud is almost a bit of a nod to popular. Um, Didn't get the nod? We'll we'll re-listen. Yeah, I think think it could be that. It's great. Maybe it's Um, like a cheeky wink that I didn't quite see. But then we have the end of day three and he's lost and he says, hello, can anyone help me? And then we move into what is maybe my favourite song of the show called Stuck. Oh, I'm disappointed it wasn't called day four. Well, I mean, you got it. You could. But it's not a full day. Well, actually, as we have already stated in this podcast, three times is funny. More than that. You're pushing it up. Pushing. And also, if you're there for 10,000 a year, that's a lot of days. It's a lot of oh, days. Day 9,469. Yep. <laughs> Not what I thought you were going to do. Day 360,000. Uh, so Stuck is this great song where Phil has gone to basically anyone he can to get help. And so what happens is this guy walks in and announces that he's got a degree in um, natural medicine. And then all of a sudden this woman comes in and claims that it must be gluten that's causing his problem. And so <laughs> Stuck has this really odd rhythm where he sings, I'm it's stuck, I'm just stuck. And it's got this really odd rhythm to the way he sings it. And it's because when you're singing it on the stage, he has an enema inside him <gasps> and it's gotten stuck. Ooh. So when Phil's going, I'm stuck, I'm just oh, stuck. Listening to it on the soundtrack is a bit odd, but seeing it on the stage, you've got Andy Carl reclined and they've literally put a tube up his bum and they're trying to pull it out and he's going, stuck, I'm Not just stuck. literally. Not oh, literally up his butt, up I Phil's believe, butt. I think, I think, yeah, it's up Phil's butt and it's great. And you get, he's basically gone to everyone. He goes to Scientologists, he goes to everyone, but the music really changes for Stuck. It's really refreshing. It's a very different type of song and it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I would say at that point you would you need, need it, it to be quite different. Yes. Um, you need it to progress. Yes. Yeah, and I, I love this song. It's very cheeky and it's very Tim Minchin. It's Minchin doing yeah. his classic cynical critique but, but in a joyful know. way. Um, and that moves on to Nobody Cares where at the end Phil gives up and turns to alcohol the last line of Stuck is these two guys screaming, alcohol, and all of a sudden they're behind a bar. It's a great bit of stage magic. Um, and they start drinking. And the one thing, again, you don't get it in the soundtrack. There's this wonderful moment, and basically nobody cares, is this country bop. It's the country bop of my dreams. I love this song. Um, <laughs> that's, got, that's a phrase you don't hear too often. But Did you was... know that you had a country bop of your dreams before this musical? Look, I listened to a little bit of Shania Twain as a young lad. Um, Man, no, but... do you feel like a woman? <laughs> no, but um, I respect those who do. Okay. Um, and so <laughs> it's, it's such a great song and I love Nobody Cares, but there's this great moment where it sort of breaks down and the pace picks up really quickly and there's this percussion moment and what's happening on the stage is they're behind the bar pouring shots for each other but basically doing a quick tap routine with the glasses and the bottles, the two drunks and Phil. So they're all swapping their arms over each other, throwing the bottles and shot glasses around, taking shots, and it gr- creates what would usually be one of those clap melodies or something. Yeah, yeah. But like with the glasses. Your body rhythm or on, whatever. Yeah, a body rhythm, but with the glasses on the bench. And it sounds amazing. It's like and Beauty you, and the Beast. Yeah, it's, oh. it's, it's so good. I love that moment. And um, this, I suppose we'll probably talk about it in the production elements a bit more, but this song has some great production elements, um, and I want to come back to it. That moves on to philandering. Basically, then the end of Nobody Cares, he realises he can do anything. They get caught by the cops um, drunk driving, they crash into a tree, and he wakes up in the morning and it's February 2nd. 
And this song is called Philandering because he basically goes around all day. This isn't a sing song as much as it is orchestration to acting. Again, why it's not a soundtrack musical. Yeah. Um, he just goes around being a cheeky little shit all day. Cheeky little thing, sorry. Cheeky little thing. You, you can bleep me. <laughs> can you? Uh, oh, I sorry, probably Zane. can. I'm sorry. Um, he's a cheeky little thing all day. And he starts flirting with this character, Nancy, who we meet. Um, and you watch him go through a couple of days and really just play the town. And it's funny, but he's very arrogant and he's kind of dis- he's not very likable at this point. But you can't- there's a bit of that sort of, oh, I'd probably try that as well <laughs> if I was in that <laughs> Well, that's, that's kind of the point of this story is yes. that, like, he is the worst kind of person. Oh, yeah. And- but you haven't seen that. You've got, got, like, hints of it up until now and then you really see him take advantage of people and gives him somewhere to go from. It does, it yeah. does. And it, it's nice that the hero of the show isn't a likeable hero and you actually get a bit of a journey. It's not like they're a good person from the start who has to solve a situation by being a good person yeah. who's who they always were. Yeah. Um, which can, or, but also, or the flip side, a bad person that stays bad but you're told they're good and you're like, oh. no, they're still a, they're <laughs> still a right dude. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah. Because this musical doesn't have... A bad guy it doesn't have an antagonist. No. It's just really kind of like this cosmic phenomenon that's happening to this guy, then he has to grow through it. Yeah. So, and, journey. and some of the lines he has about trying to figure out what's happening, he thinks he might have had a stroke, he thinks he might have um there's one thing where he says he uh thinks it could be a symptom from when he was twenty and took magic mushrooms and thought he was Aquaman. And he thinks maybe it's finally come back to bite me. So he really doesn't know what's going on. Um, we then get One Day, which is a great song. And this is um, Rita's song. Uh, Rita gets her first big song. She's Yay. had a couple of sing-song moments in the days. Day one, day two, day three. Um, again, this is the point in the show where the female character usually gets an I want or an I love song or what they want in a man. And this is that song. But it really subverts what that song usually is. And it's her kind of talking about how yeah, I've got all these things that I want, but they're not really realistic. And even if I met the man who I wanted, chances are I wouldn't like him anyway because I don't like these things about those sorts of people. And it really fleshes her out to be an actual person, which is really refreshing for a female lead in a musical. This they is love Rita. Him. Thank you. <laughs> this is a high contender for my favourite song on the show. <gasps> oh, it's yeah. a good song. And it then moves on to what all the other townspeople um, will do one day. So Rita's talking about one day maybe finding a man, but does she actually want that anyway? Maybe she just wants some casual sex with a man dressed up as a fireman. Who knows? Um, but then you get, there's a local guy who's been wandering around who's, the joke is he's, he's very overweight and he's like, my doctor says I'm going to die if I keep eating all this fried chicken. But I'm still probably going to eat it. I need to quit one day. And everyone keeps talking about what they're going to do one day in the future, but they never quite get around to doing it. Um, I love this song. It's great. The uh, moral... Of the show. It is, it's, yeah, it's, it, it does set up the moral of the show. Um, and that's, that's the end of Act One. Um, oh. And it ends with Phil smashing the alarm clock, which doesn't help anything, sadly. Well, no, this, that's the point. So you've, you've had the day, you've set up the problem, and then they, you go through all the way. This one day is mm. kind of like, okay, well, that's him smashing the clock is a signal that he's not going to put it off for one more day. He's going to try and fix it now. Yeah, exactly. And it is a turning point for the character. And there is that running joke that everyone's saying, oh, one day I'll do this, one day I'll do this. Phil doesn't get that one day because he's stuck on this day. Yeah, he has to do it today. Yeah, he's got nothing. He doesn't have anything to look forward to. Um, And then we get the on-tract, which is beautiful. And the first song of the... um, The first song, sort of the singing, uh, lyrical song of the first act is called Playing Nancy 
Which is this really odd moment, but I love it. And Minchin tends to do this. He'll give big songs and big moments to small characters. Um, to talk about this show a bit more, this is very much a chorus-heavy show. It's very much about the ensemble. And all the ensemble have very clearly defined characters with motives and backstories and goals. And it's really refreshing to watch because you've got all these people on the stage who deserve to be on the stage and you know why they're there in every scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's nice to see a stage filled with characters instead of a stage filled with actors in costumes. Yes. Um, (laughs) And Nancy, who has been the butt of a joke in the first act where Phil has tricked her into telling him the name of her English teacher so he can then come back and flirt with her on Groundhog Day, yes, um, comes out and has this song which is about realising that she is the pretty girl, not really liking that role about herself but realising that it's probably the best she's got and that she is a bit stuck and that while she has to act dumb and stupid to get attention and love, she's scared that if she doesn't do that, she won't even get love. And it's this character that could be this little throwaway joke of a character, the pretty blonde girl, who they they take the time to flesh out and give her this fantastic song yeah, and give her a full backstory and make her a real person, which, again, is so refreshing in musical theatre, to have these female characters who are treated as people and given full stories and well, complicated stories. To have stories. any characters in the ensemble, particularly it, the ones that end up being the, the comic of, jokes. Yeah. Exactly. And to it's have- a, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a great audition song. If you're looking for a different audition song, <laughs> I think this one could be really interesting. I think um, we're going to have to start like a sideline podcast. Yeah, so I do this. Patrick's excitement about audition songs. <laughs> it's only ever female I, songs. I'm not, I'm not going to sing them. But Julie? Next, next time you come on, <laughs> yeah. I want you to bring with you a recommendation for a male audition Is that confirmation song. that I get to come back? Of course you get to come back. Yes. Um, anyway, I love <laughs> playing Nancy. Did you just Nancy. try to rip your shirt off? Oh, uh, I was very excited. Um, uh, but playing Nancy is great. It was a really jarring way to start the second act, to be honest. No one was expecting it. But it was wonderful. And it's this lovely still moment in a show that has moved very, very quickly. Um, we then get Hope. And it's there that I start to get bored. Yeah, and Hope is funny because Hope as a song is odd to listen to on the soundtrack. In the show, this is another song which is so technically amazing with what they do with it. What happens in Hope is it's a song about never giving up hope, but what is happening on the stage is he's hoping to finally kill himself and end this this never-ending nightmare. An interesting little juxtaposition. And so he commits suicide about a ton of times and then all of the cast are also Phil in the background killing themselves in all of these different ways. Oh, and it never much works. better visual than the inside of my car and just listening to exactly. it. Exactly. So what you're getting is is Andy Carl, and it's this really sort of classic rock song. Yeah. He's singing Never Give Up Hope, Never Let Yourself Be Defeated because one day I might finally be able to kill myself and not wake up again. Because what's happening is he kills himself and wakes up in the bed the next day as soon as he dies. And so he just keeps trying to kill himself. And this is where it's a bit of a montage. This is where you get that 10,000 years of him. You see him in a bathtub electrocuting himself, him jumping off the top of buildings. He literally climbs up into the, um, what's it called? The gantry? Sure. The, 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 the space above the theatre. Like you, he goes out of sight and then drops and hits the floor. But it's a clever trick because the body that hits the floor is no longer him and he pops up in a bed that's just been wheeled onto the stage. Um, we'll talk about it more in production elements. Fun. It's so well done. To, watching this song is probably the most <laughs> exciting song to watch in the show. Oh, but sitting there you'd with, want that though. Sitting there with the soundtrack, I can understand why you'd be a bit like, why is this song in the show? What's going on? It's from there on that I'm so like, on the soundtrack. Oh, they probably could have called it Hope and then in, in brackets, 
the suicide song. Probably. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then could, in brackets, it's better to yeah. see than listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can put that behind almost any song in any musical. No, no. I have some that I've never seen and I'm just super into it. Yeah, and this isn't a, what I'd call a soundtrack musical. Like, I, it's not the kind oh, of show you'd act listen to. Act one I really love. Yeah. Act one I would listen to over and over. Act yeah, two is where it gets a little bit same, same. Yep. In a bad way for me. Okay. Yes. That's fair enough. Um, we then have Everything About You, which is where Phil tells him, tells, sorry, Rita, all of the things he's learned about her to prove. He's like, no, I'm living the same world again and again. Um, and it's got a really lovely little melody. It's not a long song. It's just a kind of, it's almost like an interlude. Yes, it's not a, not a huge, mm. huge song in the overall act. No. And then we get um, If I Had My Time Again, banger. Love it. This um, this is the other contender for favorite song. Yeah, this is a great song. So this is a song where Rita tells Phil all the stuff she would do with her life if she got to live the same day all over and over again. She would repeat all the mistakes she's made. She would learn all these new skills. And Phil sings these counter sort of melodies with her, where he says things like, "Oh, yep, yeah, I have. What I've done with my time is I've slept with ninety percent of the women in Punxsutawney, and a dude once when I got really bored. Um, I <laughs> masturbated seven times in the bath. It wasn't enjoyable." And the lyric, I believe, is, it wasn't enjoyable, um, it wasn't good, but at my age, it's nice to know that I can. (laughs) So it's kind of this realisation song where he's like, wow, I've lived here for 10,000 days or whatever, and I've done nothing. I've achieved nothing. And Rita's telling him all of these great things. Some would call that an achievement. (laughs) These are all the things you could have been doing. Exactly. And um, it's a really great song. It's, It's got a wonderful rhythm to it. It's got a great pace. I find it really, really enjoyable. Also... Um, Do you like this song, Julie? Mm, I uh, tapped out at this point. I kind of tapped out. <laughs> I did listen to it. Um, I good. sometimes don't enjoy female heavy contemporary songs. Okay, I like. I really like this song because the the, the differences it shows between the two characters. Yes, yeah, between Rita and Phil. Uh, I think that that's what this song is about for me, and the the interaction between them. Both telling each other these very personal things, but at the same time being almost totally oblivious to what the other person is saying. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, and Phil does such ca- start to catch on at the end, and he realizes, "What have I been doing this whole time? This m- these years?" Um, then we get everything about you reprise. It's a reprise yep. of everything about you. Um, <laughs> then we get a song that I absolutely adore, which is called "The Night Will Come." Um, and this song is what was his name? The um, he's a life insurance salesman, the friend from school, Ned. Yeah, Ned. So when we meet Ned, he's a life insurance salesman. And he's like, oh, do you want to buy some life insurance? Ha ha. And Phil really doesn't want to be talking to him. We find out that he became a life insurance salesman after his wife died. Um, And he gets this. And this song is a beautiful song where he's singing about the inevitability of death. Um, And it's this really lovely song where it's, it's... it, this, he's singing this song while Phil is trying to save the life of this homeless man and every day he's coming back and trying something new but he is never able to stop him from dying. He gets him to the hospital, he keeps him warm, he brings him food, he brings him medicine, nothing works. Um, and I love this song. I'm in love with this song. Again, See, if you don't know that, just a boring song. It's just a boring song. Mm. And what's happening on the stage is you've got the life insurance salesman sitting on a podium up top singing while there's a revolve and Phil is constantly running on the revolve trying to keep up with the homeless man who's constantly dying every day. And Phil, it's this beautiful, Andy Carl did such a good job where it gets really emotional because he's trying again and again and he's investing everything that he can do to fix it and it just doesn't work. And I, yeah, I, I adore that song. Um, then we've got Philanthropy, 
Philanthropy is not a traditional song. It's more of a sort of musical sequence. Um, Phil actually tries to use his powers for good. And it works really well. And things Yay! are getting happy. Who it knew? Has, who knew? It has a random tap sequence. Yay! <laughs> um, to be honest, even watching Julie's the show, back. I was like, oh, they're doing tap. Okay. Is and it's- <laughs> there sequence? No. Because they're just normal mm. townspeople. But... It's got this TikTok rhythm of time uh, counting down. I'm a down. normal towns person. I wear sequins yeah, on enough, a regular basis. Well, we'll get you in the cast. Um, <laughs> but it's got this sort of idea where everything has to be timed second perfect so he can fix every problem with the day and that's where the tap comes in to play into that TikTok rhythm. Yeah. And it works well. Um, we're getting to the end of the show now, really. We've then got Punxsutawney Rock. Um, this is Phil who has learned to play piano very well. He goes back to the same piano teacher every day and is a little bit better but he says it's his first lesson and that he just hasn't done it in a while. And so she's like, oh, you're already good. And he's like, I've got a fantastic teacher. And she's like, I'll have to meet her. But it was her all along. And it's this cute little moment. Skips to Alfred Basics 5. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that's the song where at the end Phil um, has that wonderful moment with Rita at the auction because he's playing the piano in the sort of band at the auction. And then we get Seeing You. And Seeing You is the finale. Yes. And it's musically yeah. extremely different from the rest of the show. And I think that's really important because it sort of signifies that he's out of this time loop, finally. Mm. Um, it's one of those beautiful Minchin songs where Minchin does haunting very well. Mm. It's like Quiet from Matilda. It's like White Wine in the Sun, that Christmas song that he yeah. wrote. It automatically just somehow cuts into the middle of you. Um, and it's this beautiful song where Phil actually finally treats a moment with respect and with seriousness and grows as a human. And there's this wonderful sort of... Julie's not impressed with that concept. <laughs> no. Um... Growing <laughs> as a human. Yeah. And... That's what you have to do. Yeah. And Only Julie, move on to the Julie, 3rd of February. if you ever get stuck living one day over and over again, you, have to be nice you know to why. It's going to be a couple million days. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and Phil has this wonderful moment where he confesses that even though he spent years trying to get to know everything about Rita so he can have sex with her um, because he just wants to get laid, he realises that he doesn't actually know anything about her because he's never actually spent proper time with her. And seeing you is about... He confesses that he's really just seeing her for the first time. And it's such a good song. And the show ends with the sun rising. And they've escaped. And they decide to spend one more day in Punxsutawney together. That's delightful. Why wouldn't you? It's I love this show. It's a good show. It's a great show. It's a great show. Yeah. I agree. Jacqueline Hyde. Let's not talk about that. We were talking about <laughs> I was reading Jacqueline Hyde. I thoroughly enjoyed well, the concept was... of Groundhog Day. It's great. I'm happy. Good. And, like, while it's not the movie, I think the movie and the musical are pretty incomparable. I think the movie, yes. they deal with the same themes and the same characters, but the musical approaches it from an entirely different way. Whereas, and, and it should because it's a different form. Exactly um, right. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't try to be the movie. They yeah. don't get Andy Carl in there who originated the role of Phil and go, do it like Bill Murray. He does it like Andy Carl and he's fantastic. And he won a lot of awards for it. He didn't win the Tony um, and we all know that. No, I'm fine. I'm fine about that. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> um, but he, I think he won a Drama Desk or, mm. and he also won a Laurence Olivier Award. So do you want to talk about Carl's Patrick? No, I don't actually have any research on the cast. Sorry. Yeah. I'll do it. Thank you, Miranda. Hi, 
Okay, so let's talk uh, the fairly short history of the casting of the show. Um, the original RSC production in 2016 in London starred Andy Carl oh, as oh. <laughs> Andy Carl as Phil Connors. Oh. So that is the Bill Murray role. Oh, a bit God. of a fan over here. We've got uh, seems to be quite the fan. Um, <laughs> he is an American actor and actually most well known for his Broadway work. Um, he's also um, on a, like a, I think CSI Miami or one of he, those shows. Yeah, he's bit parts in TV things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he also he stayed with the production when it went to Broadway in um, t- the following year. And the this world year, was better for 2017. it. 2017. The world was better for that. Well, it's obviously a very big role mm. and if somebody survived it and long enough didn't. to play it on West End, uh, yeah, you'd be tough to find somebody who could pull it off as well. Yeah, exactly. On Broadway he actually um, tore his, uh, I think, one of the ligaments in his leg and did the rest of the show with a cane and then when I saw the show, he had his leg in a brace for the whole show. And so it's hidden under his trousers, but a lot of the show is him in his boxes because he's getting up in the morning and just not giving a damn. So he walks out into the town just in his boxes and he's got this leg brace on the whole time and he's flirting with ladies, showing them the leg brace and he just <laughs> he worked it into the performance and it was great. Big it's, fan uh, of Carl. I mean, it's just not practical going out in boxer shorts during, like, winter. harsh winter. Well, he puts yeah. on a magnificent fur pimp coat over the top. I was just I thinking, like, that. they could have chosen to cover it with a longer pair of pyjama pants. Could it, it, it kind of added sense. to the comedy of it. It was odd. I, I, I think it. you hit that point where you're like, well, this is happening, so let's yeah. not pretend And the character can otherwise. have a sore leg. Yeah, why like not? Yeah. Why can't Phil have a... What are you yeah, so anti-sore leg, Julie? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, super back against. to Andy Carl. Um, Andy Carl played um, my favourite role in Legally Blonde, uh, Chad. <laughs> is the Rust, that the guy The Rastafarian rapper. Oh, and he's also the guy who made this, the startup fund and bought yachts or whatever. It's the same actor, I think. What? In that, oh, um, welcome to Harvard, good to know that one or whatever that. Oh it's no, not no, a no! Great because song. in the Harvard student lineup, he's Chad. Oh, is he? Okay, yeah, so I'm he completely wrong. That, me listeners. that uh, track does have some other characters uh, in it. Um, Chad is the elsewhere. Best. Yeah, Chad. But, Chad is. Yeah. Chad's what you go for. Chad is definitely what you go Legitimately, for. Legitimately, um, he, he did um, also have do um, larger roles in Nine to Five. He played Rocky in Rocky and uh, was in oh. the Wicked Run for quite a long time in presumably uh, ensemble tracks. I think. I'm not sure. I would hate to be in that Maybe. ensemble. The mm. costumes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Oh no! Not the magnificent. Costumes, <laughs> and then he he's obviously um, gone on to do this show. I I would love to know how he got involved in the production as an American working on West End. So maybe that has something to do with somebody's connection somewhere. Maybe It'd he be might interesting have been to know with that story or something. Maybe they brought him in for the early works with the previous composer. I don't know. Might have been. Yeah. Might have been. Who knows? Who knows? If you know, let us know, uh, and there, we will know. <laughs> there are like a few of that fun. of the original London cast at the Old Vic who basically transferred from the Matilda cast into ah. into this show. Um, one of them was Antonio Magro, who um, plays the sheriff in um, Groundhog Day, who was understudied to Miss Trunchbull. So it's mm. sort of a few people who were ensemble and understudies sort of transferred over into the ensemble cast of Groundhog. Oh, that's nice. You look after your own. Yeah. Um, 
Rita Hansen, the role of Rita Hansen, which is Andy McDowell in the film, is played by someone who I haven't written down. Carlos Pia, Barrett Doss. Who, Carlos Pia was London, Barrett Doss, yeah, Broadway. Yeah, who I couldn't see much about. Neither of them have a Wikipedia entry. Yeah, no, they're um null and void. Yeah, uh, wow. You don't have the wiki. I'm sure, they will eventually. They, yeah, you can make your faces. own. They're new faces, and I think that. Do be you have one, Julie? Yeah, there oh seems God, to be a lot of relative unknowns in the yeah. in the London cast, and then the Broadway cast is pretty much the same, if not more so. Mm. So Andy Carl transferred, and every other role got recast. But still, there's there's no stunt casting in the rest of it. There's I, and I don't think know, it's a it's not it's a star an, vehicle. An ensemble cast, yeah. it, it would be difficult to except of, for Phil. Yeah, except Phil, for Phil could yeah. be a star yeah. vehicle. Which they yeah. would, Andy stayed with the show. Yeah, um, a couple of other notables: um, Andrew Langtree in the original cast as Ned uh, did a bunch of stuff. Mamma Mia um, originating. Oh, great a role musical! Love that. Oh. Ghost. If he's from Mamma Mia, let's bring him in. Yeah, uh, lots of British TV soaps. Sarcasm so he's got did TV not credits. did not transfer to audio medium. He oh, would have been <laughs> dripping with sarcasm, dripping. ladies and gentlemen. Dripping. soaked to the bone. But he did Mamma Mia for quite some time, and it was very popular in London. So shut your face. Um, <laughs> And he was nominated for Best Supporting Role in the, for the Laurence Olivier Awards for his... Um, for Ned? For Ned, yes. Uh, Georgina Hagen played Nancy and she pops up in a few other shows, um, including We Will Rock You and she played Pearl in Starlight Express. Oh, and I just think it's nice goodness. to see Starlight Express on someone's resume. <laughs> On Jane Krasowski's resume. Someone who's on Starlight Express is still working. That's a miracle. (laughs) Jane Krasowski's still working. Oh, yeah, Jane Krasowski. She played the original Dinocard. Yeah, she's amazing. She, I, yeah, okay, fair enough. Georgina Hagen played Pearl. There you go. Peel. 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 There you go. Um, Yeah, and like I said, there's there's not much notable in the US cast, like even less Mm so. So, um, I think it's really great that as an ensemble cast, they've brought in a lot of people who have probably got ensemble credits Mm. and basically given them a more interesting role to play with for a while. And the roles are interesting. It's so much fun watching the background um, characters doing their little things and they've all got their motivations and they're all bickering and fighting or just having a great time and they're not just standing there to sing. Yeah. And it's interesting to look at. Yeah. I love it. So... um, the Australian cast, yet to be announced because the Australian production is yet to be announced. It's going to happen. So let's talk about who we might see in that. So let's talk about the Australian cast and then let's talk about our dream cast. So the Australian cast, that will inevitably happen. Yes. Okay, so I hate that this will happen, but it will happen and nothing against this man as a performer but they will cast Rob Mills as Phil. It's going to happen. Do you I've think ac- he's old enough? I've, look, I've accepted the fact that Australian theatre will find a way to, to cast him. Rob Mills in this production. You know what? I think Rob Mills would be a good Ned or, you know, someone else in the mix. To be honest, I'm, look, he sort of suits the character. He always plays... He did Fierro. He did that guy from Legally Blonde who... Whatever. Chat. 
Oh, no. Not Chad. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're just going to go through. The, the mean boyfriend. He does that <laughs> arrogant character, which is why I think he'll get put in this show. I would love to see an extremely talented unknown do the role, but it will probably be Rob Mills. And he'll if be. We know, like if we've learned thing. anything about Australian musicals, when they have the chance to put an unknown in, they don't. They do not. It'll, it'll either be Rob Mills or Bert. <laughs> bring Bert out again. Um, and it will be, there is no place it. for Bert in this show. I'd watch it. I totally They'll would. find be a hilarious. place, Miranda. There is um, a place for Bert in this show. Um, oh, they'd probably, do you reckon they'd make him play the, the, groundhog. the announcer? Yeah, he definitely could be. Like but he has to sing. He can sing. Uh, he didn't in Wizard. In the, in he can hey, sing. Hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Australian hey royalty, that's who you're talking about that's who now. I'm talking about, that is. And um, they'll bring in what, maybe Gemma Ricks as Rita, um, maybe Lisa McCune as oh, Rita. Sorry. Um, Gemma Ricks I could get behind. Yeah. Uh, I would get behind Gemma Ricks. I will not I don't get think behind. you can pair Rob Mills and Lisa McCune. You're, you're crossing generational lines like, there. Have we? Well, what I kind of like about this musical is you re- a lot of the cast, you, they don't, there's not a specific type. Like really with Rita... She doesn't have to be a specific type of person physically, or even, I mean, vocally. She, she doesn't to have to be, to be an extremely rock. tall, slightly masculine woman like Andy McDowell. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I think eight-year-old Patrick probably had a bit of a crush on Andy McDowell. I remember, I remember oh. thinking of her very fondly. Patrick's gay now, so that says a lot. Um, but very t- yeah. tall and manly. But maybe, okay, so if it wasn't Rob Mills and Gemma Ricks or perhaps Lucy Durack even, who would we like to see in this Uh, show? I think you've just said to our audience it's now me because you said physically it can be anyone, so therefore it is me. So is this the dream dream cast? I am Rita. Oh, you're you're Rita, okay. Who did you say? I said Andy, I meant as Phil. They're one and the same. I I think you should play Andy. Phil? Phil. I would be terrible in this show. No, 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 you should play Andy playing Phil. I'd like to play Ned, or I'd like to play the guy who speaks Groundhoggies. The, like, the announcer. The announcer. I'd, he's great. Um, but no, Dreamcast. Shall we do a Dreamcast? Yeah, Dreamcast. I, I have um, opinions, and oh, I, I'm going to be shouted down so oh, quickly. No, Is it Go Rob Mills? On. I'm ready to do it. It's not Australian. I, okay, I, no. I, okay. I don't have high opinions of no. the Australian cast I only, for this. Yeah, I only have one person who, when listening to the soundtrack... I would sometimes think Rita sounds a lot like Sutton Foster. Sutton Foster could play that character, but she can play any character and she's got enough work. Let's <laughs> give it to someone else. I don't have any readers. I have three options for Phil. Number one. I want to hear him. Number one, the one that you're not going to like yell at. Lay it on me. Jonathan Groff. Do we want? Uh, I might actually. I'm gonna no no it's fine it's fine. Well, you're gonna have a much bigger problem with the rest of them. <laughs> no 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 he's he's good he's 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 funny in Hamilton he can do comedy. He's also charming. Yeah, How I suppose you. he could come. Is he a bit young? How very dear. No, no. Okay, no. It's been written off. Let's move on. If it's if it's going to be young, he's then older this than Rob one. Mills, isn't he? Ben Platt. No, I will put it take in the bin, him 100%. anyway. No. He wants. I would to love come. to see Ben Platt as Ned. 
No, he's far too he's, young for Ned. Didn't you Andy just put Carl, him as... I, no, Phil, Andy Carl. Phil? Phil is meant to be like he's been working as a weatherman long enough to resent the fact he always has to come to this town to cover the damn groundhog. I think Platt can play mid-30s. You could, you could be uh, resentful maybe, about that even within a year of still... Maybe you're not in where you thought you were going to be in your career and you're resentful of the fact that you're still covering this crap. Who's your third? <laughs> well, my third is, because I'm the only one who ever goes cross-gender, switching, mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon. Yeah. I think she could really walk that line of charming asshole. She would do that. I'm She'd, still not yeah. happy with her, but That would be okay. hilarious. If they did a gender swap, yeah. that would be one of the few people I'd, yeah, she would be great. Yeah. Um, I'd take Kate McKinnon over Ben Platt and just put her in drag. Yeah, but, you know, Ben, ben, uh, ben Platt can Fantastic sing it. Fantastic performer. And I, and I definitely think he could act it. Um, he may not be old enough yet, but, you know, that's... Give, give him a couple of years. Wise. Let him mellow. See, Let I don't mellow. think age yeah. is that big of a deal because I would quite like to see as Phil... I'm not... Shut the, up the recording. The one and <laughs> Shut only. it down. Shut it down, Zane. I can't. I can't Hit the red it. button. Zac Efron as <laughs> Phil. A topless Phil. It's winter. Zac Efron could be the hot bartender. No, there's a great line no, where there's this no, really hot bartender no, and Lisa no. is Lisa. Bloody hell. <laughs> My brain. Um, Rita's saying, Punxsutawney's not that bad and the bartender's kind of hot and then this really attractive bartender who's in like this little Nothing. outfit oh. just gives her a little wink and it's this great little moment. So he doesn't sing or talk. Well, it, it'll be like Zac Efron in High School Musical 1. He won't wink. sing. <laughs> I'm, okay. We don't, High School I Musical actually, 1 does I, not belong to Zac Efron. That's not a thing. I, I would like to give Zac just slightly more credit. And I think, I'd, I'd let him work at the box I office. I think he could. I think he could pull it off. I think he could pull, off, pull off. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> it could be part of his thing. It could be part yeah, of his shit. Look, yeah, no, he could. I would take. Would I take Zach Efron over Ben Platt? It doesn't matter. No, you Zac can't Efron's take Zach older. Efron over Ben Platt. Zach Efron is older. Zach Efron across from Ben Platt with Ben Platt as Ned. I think. I think Zach in ten. Why is this a legitimate 15, discussion? <laughs> because imagine, imagine him ten or fifteen years from now. He's aged up a bit. Can we discuss this in ten or fifteen years? Yeah, sure, definitely. <laughs> I'll still be talking about ten it. years from now. Mark down oh. this day. We will talk about Groundhog <gasps> Day. So fill the groundhog. I've got put him one. in a little cage. Let him out once a year. Uh, I think I've got a legitimate one, oh, but I'm not it? entirely <gasps> sure if he can sing, and no, I don't, don't think he can. Let's do it. Let's just try it anyway. Rob Lowe. I would love yeah. to see Rob Lowe as Rob Phil. Lowe could Don't do know it. if he can sing. Would just ha- be happy to watch him on stage for a couple of hours. He's funny. Parks if, and Rec's salty. He's if so funny. If we're taking singing out of it. Uh, it's it's a not a musical. It magically goes well. Yeah, so magically he can sing now. Yeah. Bill Murray. Oh, well. Yes. I think oh. it would be kind of creepy because he's quite old now. Make everyone older. You could just make yeah, Nancy older. Make older. But like Nancy it's, is a young, you could make Nancy no, older. And no, and, but Anyone. again, that's part of the You could asshole. make Nancy yeah, like uh, Rhonda Birch more Nancy kind of gig. Like, yeah, look, fair age enough. Her up, I'll yeah. take give it up. Like he would never do it. He would never sign on to no, it. No, he wouldn't. Dreamcast. Oh, I'm sorry, but Bill Murray's like, Christmas. Yeah. He gets pretty singing sometimes. To be sometimes. fair, I love that. last week I, I put. Uh, no, I put uh, I put Richard E. Grant in Jekyll Hyde. Could, I think we we can we can accept Miley Cyrus play like a trashy version of Nancy. Can Under Nancy no just be a bit trashy? <laughs> well, I think yes. she could play a legitimate version of Nancy. Nancy is the kind of girl like she's there and she's in a 
low-cut top with a very small vest on to keep her warm, a cute little hat, and then the, like, thigh-high Ugg boots. So she's meant to be a little bit, like, Dixie. So I reckon if you brought out country Miley Cyrus yes. and made her the pretty small-town girl, she could do I'm it. I'm putting it in there. I'm vetoing it, like, no. hard. <laughs> but it's a nice thought. You don't get that <laughs> option in my dream class. No, for, it is your dream class. Let your dream live on. Shall we move on? Um... Yes, because I can't think of the name of the person who I was going to suggest. So do let us, in fact. Oh, like, comment and subscribe, dear listeners. Move on is what I was going to oh, go okay. with. Oh, okay, Yeah. Jump in the gun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, I just got reminded that we didn't get back to talking about production elements. So we're no, no, we did bounce back. Oh, okay. There's just a couple of things I really want to touch Super on. Super quick, it's Patty. Great. So, um, uh, in uh, Nobody Cares, um, they have a car chase on the stage, and this show is fantastic because it doesn't use LED screens. It is full of practical effects. It's great. So when they get Ew, snow- I know, old school, it's so good. When they get snowed in, this car that's probably the size of like uh, a microwave drives out onto the stage, and then a guy in a Big groundhog costume comes on with a giant shovel covered in snow and just dumps the snow on top of the car <laughs> and just crushes it. And that's how you know that they've been snowed in. Um, for the car chase, all of the this town gets brought up like puppets suspended in the air and you see top-down view and see the car that's driving through and it's just held by people on sticks being chased down by a police car and then that all explodes out in front of you to having Phil and the two drunks in an actual car that's swerving around on the stage being chased down. And it's all done in kind of this kitsch musical theatre way because the show knows that it's a stage show and it really has fun with it. It's all very tongue-in-cheek. It doesn't pretend to make it real. It doesn't do the, oh, the hairspray thing where they just have screens everywhere. I hate that. I cannot stand that. It knows hey, it's a show. you can't it, stop the bee. It knows, I will. Um, it knows that the audience knows that they're at a show and it does great production stuff. The other one that has to be mentioned is in um, Hope, the suicide attempt. The suicide they have, song. It's basically magic tricks, the entire song, where he is dying and then magically wakes up and appears in a bed that's on the other side of the stage. So you watch him get into a shower, lift up a toaster behind the um, screen He pulls the screen across in front of him, the shower curtain, drops the toaster, gets electrocuted and falls. And then all of a sudden on the other side of the stage, his bed has been wheeled on and he pops up out of the bed. He falls from the ceiling and dies and pops up out of the bed. Now, Patrick, that's just not possible. It's just not possible. You're sitting there watching it going, I know this is a magic trick and I need to find it, but you don't see it. They do a really good job of it. And I think it's how how he hurt his leg. He's doing some of these tricks. Um, And then... It's I just, want to see the backstage video of this portion of the oh, show. So do I, because they've got about 12 beds on the stage where he's just constantly dying and popping out of them while the cast who are also playing him are popping out of the beds and constantly dying as well. It's amazing. They're the, they're the things I wanted to cover. It does practical effects so well, and I, I adore it for taking that step and not just going, we'll do a screen. Just do a screen. Just do a yeah. screen? Yeah. Good. Well... Can um, we move straight into top oh, five lists? let's go. Well, let's top go. five shows with practical effects. Yeah, exactly. Top, top five, five shows refusing to LED screen it. Thank you. Top five shows with the most suicides, I think, literally. Oh, wow. I think this is number one. I think it has the most suicides in any show. Yes. Um, yeah. Definitely. I can't think of another one with, like, mass suicide. Uh, there's not, no. like, a... 
cult musical or anything. I don't think so. No. Is there a um, Drink the Kool-Aid musical? No, Heaven's Gate. There isn't a Heaven's Gate one. Um, I would say top five movie musicals. That's a big list. I know it's a big list. Adaptations. So movies that were turned into musicals. Yeah. I would say even including Disney. It, yeah, but well, if you if you want to be safe, ooh. we can cut out Disney. But I do think this makes the top five. It might not be number sure. one. Uh, hmm, I think it, you're closer to being safe if you exclude Disney. Okay, let's exclude Disney. What's the top five? What's in there? Oh, oh goodness. Groundhog Day. It's going to take all that. Well, there's a lot of them that aren't great. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. It's probably easier to name those because they <laughs> stick in your mind a little mm. more. Well, it wasn't a movie first. True story. Yeah, I'm only talking, talking about, about films that were then, oh, yeah, were then lists. yeah, because there's Made a lot that have gone the other way. Anyway. A musical <laughs> like Dirty Dancing, Heather's terrible Ghost. musical. Mm. Heather's yeah. is a good one. I Heather's, Heather's is a good one. Okay. Heather's, I feel, would be top of my list. Yeah. All right. Well, what other I'm ones? Curious. Top five. Oh, top five musicals. Um, focusing on mainly just one day. Yeah. Yeah. It's February 2nd right till the end. Just one day. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to say top time, top time, top five time travel musicals. Because it is Ooh. technically time travel. Yeah. And I don't feel like there'd be a lot of them. So I reckon it'd be very easy to get to the top of that list. <laughs> yeah, because that's a, an easy one. And it's a hard thing to do well. Now, this list is another one that's getting quickly populated. Ooh. Top five ensembles. Because yeah. it is a huge ensemble and they're all named... And from what you're saying is they all have a lot of stuff to do in the show. They're so charismatic. It's an ensemble story and it takes the time to give them the songs and the characters. Yeah, I would put it up there as well. Or even if it was just top five shows that do ensembles well. So the top five ensembles. And I want there to be a Tony for best ensemble cast or best chorus. Though they keep petitioning for one. It hasn't shown up yet. Because this show would have won it. It was amazing. And then it could have run longer. I don't want to talk about it. Top five shows that I don't want to talk about. Top five shows (laughs) that deserved more Tonys than it won. Yes. There's only only a finite amount of Tonys to go around, everyone. Well, now that we've deleted Evan Hansen from history, we can (laughs) spread the love around. You deleted Dear Evan Hansen from your history. You are complicit in this, Zane. (laughs) You let me on. We we take no responsibility. uh, I would say maybe top five practical effects shows. I know you can't fight me on that because no one else has been able to see them. Hopefully there'll be some good YouTube videos one day. So you one can day. watch in wonder. One day. Well, uh, definitely Little Shop would be on that, yes. I think. And I, mean, I think it would probably be higher. Yeah. But I think this one would sneak in in that five. Um, do top five musicals featuring a, a rodent that can predict the weather. Do you actually see the groundhog? You do. Um, they've got a puppet. Um, and it looks, it's oddly realistic. Hey. For quite a stylized show, they bring it out and you're like, oh my God, for a split second, you're like, is that a real animal? Oh no, it's, good. <laughs> it's a puppet, it's a puppet. It's a dog. It's a small furry dog. Um, taxidermy. Ooh. A taxidermy puppy. Puppet. Oh. Puppet. Not puppy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Whoa. Okay. I think we should stop before yeah. I make yeah. any more faux pas. Please. No, I'm happy with that. I think this show, yeah, it's, it's funny. I love it though. There's a lot to learn from Groundhog Day. Oh. Number one, don't get caught in a snowstorm. Yeah, just Number don't do two, it. Don't be a weatherman. Don't be a weatherman. Don't be a weatherman. Number uh, three. Don't get caught in a time loop. 
don't get caught in a time loop. And if you do, killing yourself won't get you out. Unless it does, unless it's a different kind of time loop. Well, let's just say, we don't say this musical teaches us a whole bunch about time loops. Okay, just say. time loops aside, <laughs> I think it shows that maybe the path out of living your life as if it's the same day is to try and better yourself and do things for others because otherwise you are stuck in a bit of a rut. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that maybe that should be your goal When focusing on yourself isn't working, focus on focus others. On maybe others. you should mm. also in, learn to enjoy the rut. <laughs> well, yeah, and exactly, and learning to enjoy other people. And, like, this show uh, starts out with Phil just making fun of all the townspeople, and when he actually gets to know them, they're not just stupid small-town people anymore. They actually have really rich lives that he contributes to, and it's about respecting and loving the people Aww, around you and understanding less. that they're people as well. And I think that's actually a really important lesson that our modern society that doesn't value those things mm. could really do with having shoved in their face a yeah. little well, more there, often. There is a moral song about not putting it off till tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Doing it right now. Why aren't you doing today what you can? Yeah, what do today today. Why Don't is it always tomorrow? Don't procrastinate. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Or, you know, just do what you have to to get right now. Yeah. Get stuff done. Anything else? I think those lessons are pretty pretty out there. They're good lessons. That's pretty much it. Um, I would like to learn the magical stagecraft, but um, (laughs) I hope they do a behind the. Yeah, I hope they do a special on it one day because it's just so much fun to watch. Pen a letter. Dear Tim. Dear Timothy. He does respond. I've written to him before. Ooh. It was a long time ago. It was like 10 years ago. So he might We not heard you used to famous. respond. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. <laughs> we would like a 12-part series on the development and production of Groundhog Day the Musical. Financed by yourself. Yeah, obviously. Because I'm not paying for it. Um, we, it is we that know. in brackets in the letter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I reckon that could go well. Yeah. Okay. Done. Well... When and if we get a response, uh, we'll be sure to let you all know. Pend. Um, just to be clear, have we actually? I don't think we've actually sent it, right? Or oh no, we? we're going to send it. It's a oh, bit we're late gonna to send it. We're going to finish writing yeah. it. Julie's got to still write. Lots of love. Jules. Us. Yeah. Well, all yeah. of M- us. MTMEIK. Yeah, yeah. MTMEIK. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's sign off this baby, but mm-hmm. after this small piece of music. Patrick, thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having Thanks, Patrick. Talking to us about thank the show. You. I'm surprised you let me back after last time. I really am. We're going to keep getting you back because we really like you oh. and our listeners really like you. Oh, they haven't told me that explicitly, but I can tell. Vibes, I yeah. feel the vibe. No, yeah. I'm vibes. Yeah. You've got a really sexy radio voice. I don't know if anyone's told you that. Look, I've also been told um, by my own mother that I have a face for radio. Oh, um, dear. That is, no one has ever said that. My to mother you. has, and she is a stone cold bee. Is, I love she, <laughs> is she half blind? Does she have cataracts? No, but she's got a fantastic sense of humour. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> what you mean to say is she was sarcastic? No, not necessarily. I think she just likes making fun of me. But, you know, that. <laughs> anyway, enough about my mother. Well, you brought her up. I did, I did. You did, um, you did. Anything, anything you'd like to plug? My mum. Good on your mum. 
What so a mess hey, you've mum. made. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the mess. She's a wonderful person. Um, no, I don't have anything to plug. I have, I'm, I'm not achieving much what at all. You, what, just <laughs> do something so next time you come you've got something have to talk about. you learned nothing from Groundhog Day? I'm going to plug 9 to 5 work. 9 to 5 work. I do it. You probably do it. Isn't it just grinding us down? 9 to 5 work. <laughs> I am working... Nine till five. In fact, I'm working eight till four thirty, but it doesn't fit. I the song also as well. do eight till four thirty. Oh but my god, it, yeah, it's not lyrical. Nice. Twinsy. Anyway, I know. eight to four thirty. Yeah, it'll slowly kill you. <laughs> Only forty two weeks a year. Um, I can plug this podcast. Perhaps, okay, do it. Perhaps, do it. All okay. the information yeah. is on the so sheet there. There's this podcast. It's fantastic. You're listening to it. But what you might not have done yet <laughs> is left a review. You. I have actually. It's it's lazy, and if Groundhog Day taught us anything, is that you need to do it yep. right now, not tomorrow, because you're not going to do it tomorrow. Don't be a procrastinator. My diet's tomorrow, so you can't do it tomorrow. My diet's always tomorrow. So My what diet you're going to do is, is tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, you're going to get out your phone. You're going to open the podcast app. It's purple. You're going to bring up the search function. You're not going to go to this podcast that you're already listening to. You're going to go to search. You're going to search for musicals. What's going to pop up first? Number one, numero uno, is Musical, musicals taught me everything I know. You're going to click it. You're going to go to ratings. You're going to give us a sneaky five stars. If you give us a four, I will come. I will find you. You're going to give us the five stars and you're going to write a nice review. To be honest, I don't care what you write. I don't think iTunes cares either. Just give us the five. You can flame us. You can say, get Patrick off the air, but just give it the five stars. I just want to say, like, you've taken a real confrontational tone. <laughs> I think you guys, have, you guys have been nice. I'm not sure it's... Well, we need a diversified oh, yeah. approach. So we need a bad cop. Yeah. So you're going to be the bad cop. Oh. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be lock stock. I just want to clarify. Yeah. If you have updated to iOS 11... You don't actually have to do that. Oh. All you have to do is go to the podcast. If you're already subscribed, you just need to click on the show, scroll down, and the ratings will be there, and you just have to click write a review. Oh, my God. Guys, it's even easier. So if you don't do it, look, I'll be outside your window. Oh, creepy. It's going to happen. Wow. And I'll just knock on your window and say, oh, could you please leave a review and then I'll leave and it'll be... It won't be be very chronic. I was going to say, Patrick, because there are some people that might like that. So don't make that promise I'm not to sure too many people. anyone wants that. I do, actually. Um, I've just deleted my review. Um, well, I'll see you tomorrow, Miranda. I'll what? be outside the window. you get a cheeky little knock. And you know what you'll hear? You'll hear my dog sitting in the window going... <laughs> oh, the dog's here and she does look like she's been hit by a car at the moment. She's... It's very hot. She's very yeah. hot. Um, um, well, so thank you so much for having me. If you... Well, thank you for coming. Um, if you would like to... Uh, Speak to us on the Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash musicals taught me everything I know. You can tweet us at musicals teach me or you can send us a lengthy email complaining about Patrick. Uh, do Loitering outside your window. Musicals taught me podcast at gmail.com or just report him directly to the police. Um, Please don't. Uh, <laughs> I, like my job requires police checks. I, like fun games aside. <laughs> Please don't. Don't do um, that. Okay. Oh, but cool. I follow the Facebook and you actually, all, you guys also put up a lot of fun musical theatre news. It's my source of musical theatre news at the moment. Um, so 
that's that's a little something a little extra you get yeah. when you follow them on Facebook. So do it. It's great. If you want more extra stuff, oh. patreon.com. Chuck us a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash musicals taught me everything I know. Type out the entire thing. Have a look at all of the cool stuff that you can get, including our first two episodes that we ever attempted to record. Um, we did, in fact, record them, save them, and put them up for our Patreons to listen to. One um, of them is cats. One of them oh. is cats. And I would just like to point out, no, 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 before we deleted it from history, we recorded this episode. That's correct. And I would like to point out, because I know that some people listen to this this podcast, and they like cats. And I did a fairly good job of defending it throughout that episode. I was also on the defence. And you, yes, yes, you were on the defence. So it is... It is a 50-50, all right? Don't oh, think I don't baby, want to listen to them just cat bash for, for an we, hour. We did acknowledge it has a place. the trouble. But there's a thousand ways to skin a cat and I want to do them all on this no, podcast. No, no, <laughs> no. No, no, um, so but if you want to come on and defend cats, if you're a Patreon level. Yeah, yeah. It's true. I believe it is $100 a month. You get to pick a show. We come to you. We record a show with you. If you want to pick cats and defend it, that's your best course of action. Andrew Lloyd Webber, this is your chance. <laughs> Send us one of those Patreon. crisp Com. green dollar bills. Woo-hoo. A month. One a month. You can do it, Andy. Uh-huh. You've got money. You've got a little bit of... Got some savings somewhere. Send it I'm to sure us. that he does. Um, um, we would love to have you. In fact, we would love to have feedback from anyone. And if you're out there thinking... I know musicals. I know lots about musicals. I'm a famous person. I'm Zac Efron. Get in touch. Yeah. It's true. We're still waiting to hear back from Hugh Jackman. He was gonna, he's going to do our Australia Day episode. Yeah, Boy From Oz. Yeah. So, but we haven't heard from his people, like, confirming that yet, so... Is this a joke? No, that's it. it's in the schedule, Patrick. It's in the schedule. Like, I just wrote actually, it in there. I just wrote did it in you, the Like, did he write back? No. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant, like, he was like, yeah, sounds good. I'll have to talk to my people, though, and you hadn't heard from... Oh my nah. God, my we Patrick! Are. We haven't Patrick. heard that. No, we would be telling check. everyone if that was the case. I've tweeted at him. I haven't got a response. You haven't tweeted at me. I don't have. Twitter. Are you on Twitter? You're no. not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you again, Patrick Aiken. I promise not to call the police on you. Please don't. Um, <laughs> But if you feel like loitering outside my window any time, I do enjoy your beautiful face, oh. possibly more than your mother. Uh, oh, thank you definitely. also. Belinda is not keen. To my co-hosts, <laughs> Julie Eisentrager. And Zane C. Weber. I am Miranda Selwood, and this has been another episode of Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. Join us next week for another fun Friday of musicals. Hooray, Bye. musicals!
listen. Fire every missile we have at that godforsaken mothership. Pray to God that it works. No, none of these ideas are going to work. I've got it. What we need to do is tell every citizen to leave their homes naked and just tell them to have sex with toasters in the street. The aliens will be so confused, they'll just sort off. If you'd like to see the alternate takes on political issues ranging from big to small, subscribe to a New World Order podcast at www.thatsnotkindofproductions.com forward slash a new world order. A That's Not Kind of Productions podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.